okay. I'm a little jittery. I won't lie. Like, I don't get up here very often. There's kind of a reason for it because I get really, really jittery. So um, just bear with me. Um, so we've been talking about worship, and I've really appreciated what Josh has been bringing kind of to focus about worship and the impact that it has in our lives as we want to live kingdom lives. Um, I've really appreciated the attention he's brought to why we worship, why it's important, um, and how we're to worship with that undignified spirit where we just really are totally sold out to who Jesus is. And I think that's really, really important for us to grab a hold of. Um, But tonight, I want to take it one step further. I actually want to go outside the walls of the church. I want to talk about how we live our life as an act of worship, about how it's not just about what we do in here. That's, That's part of worship. But really, there's an element of worship that goes outside of these walls and goes with us. Um, so I'm going to read out of Romans 12 through, sorry, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. No, I don't have my Bible because I copy and pasted it here because I would be fumbling forever. So, um, but it should be up on this guy Bible. Um, Romans 12, uh, verses 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So I know that can, I don't know, to me, that wasn't the initial verse that I thought I'd be like preaching out of for worship. Um, but when I was doing a little bit of study into the book of Romans, because I wanted to know, like, why, why was Paul, you know, saying this? Like, what, what was the purpose of it? And just, like, a little bit of background, the book of Romans was written by Paul during a time when there were two factions of Christianity. There were the Jews who had accepted Jesus, and then there was the Gentiles that were accepting Jesus. And they were bickering over some different theological ideals. And so Paul wrote this out of a heart to say, hey, bring it back, let's simplify it. Let's be, be renewed in the way that you think. It's no longer us and them. It's, it's we. We are unified under Christ. And he uses this phrase, living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice. And the word in the Greek, um, which I couldn't say, so I'm not going to try, <laughs> um, the word sacrifice in its original text and context means worship or service. So we can read that and understand that worship is indeed what we think of initially. It's where we're up here, we're worshiping, we're praising, we're, we're getting hype because we're excited, um, we're praising him, worshiping him, pursuing him. But there's also that element of service where it's about how we live our life outside of these four walls. It means that things like how we talk to people, how we talk about people, how we, um, how we deal with tough situations all of those things, even your job or going to school, like you may think like, I just have to go to school. I have to because I have to learn so I can like go places in life. But you can actually be in school and you can be living your life as worship to Jesus by how you live your life out. And I just love that this really has more to, it's actually less to do with what we do and actually the intent of our heart. Because you can literally do anything and it be an act of worship to God, obviously, as long as it's not like hurting someone or, you know, mur- like that's not worship unto God. But you can be at your job, you can be at school, you can be walking through the hall, and you can be worshiping Jesus by the way that you live your life. So you may be asking, because I know you're all dying to know, <laughs> so how am I supposed to do this, right? Like, it's, it can, we can overcomplicate things and be like, well, 
how does that actually work? Like, that seems like a lot. Like, I have to be so intentional about everything. But I, I want to bring it back to just being a little bit more simple. And I think this is something that we as Christians, it's important that we wrestle with, that we don't just brush it off and, and try to make things into these perfect boxes, but that we actually wrestle with it. Um, because the, the fact of the matter is, is that we were created to worship something. And if you're not intentional with what you worship, you'll worship something that isn't worth your time. It's going to lead you down the wrong path. It's going to deceive you. It's going to manipulate you. And so if your heart, if you're not being intentional with what you allow your heart to be set on, you're going to get led astray. So I think it's really important that we are intentional with what we worship. And I think it, it really impacts how we live our life. And so as I studied and prayed, um, I really felt like there were these two words that kept coming to my heart. And one was adoration, and the other was trust. Um, my first point is unprecedented adoration. And I'm going to be hitting on this unprecedented word. I promise I will explain it. Um, but we are to live with an unprecedented adoration for who Jesus is. If you look at the meaning of the word adoration, I think most of us would initially say um, adoration is about love. I love this person. I love my puppy. I love my family. Like there's this, this emotional love feeling that is attached to adoration. Um, it's usually emotional. If you think of like your friends, like if, um, if we only talk to them when we want to, then that's kind of an emotional thing. There's no real relationship there though, is there? If you like, oh, I don't really, Josh, I don't feel like talking to you today. So, you know, have a good life. Like th there's no relationship there, right? Um, but the other part of adoration, and if you look up the definition, it's actually deep love and respect. There's a second part to that. And respect is often something that a lot of us, like, unless we're asking for it, it's sort of like a, almost intimidating. Like, oh, we have to respect our parents, right? And sometimes we have to respect them even when we don't agree with them, or we feel like they're not right, even though most of the time they usually are, I promise you. Um, you learn that the older you get, you're like, oh, my parents were so right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but it becomes really dry, right? Because you don't always, like, you, you do it because you have to. It's not emotional. It's a decision you make. And if you worship out of either or, so if you simply worship out of love or out of an emotion, you end up having a really fickle relationship with Jesus because if you only worship or you only pursue him or you only decide to live your life for him when you feel like it, then it's like that friend that you only talk to when you feel like it. You kind of come and you're like, yeah, so like this is happening. And they're like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't, how do you want me to help you? You know what I mean? There's like this disconnect. And then you're like, oh, well, they don't, they don't care about me. So I'm just not, and then you're isolated, you know? So it becomes very fickle. You're, there's no roots when you only worship out of, a, out of an emotion. However, on the flip side, if you only worship out of respect and it's always just a choice, it can become dry and we miss out on the good things and the beautiful relationship that Jesus wants to have with us because we, it becomes a chore. I have to worship. They told me to worship so that my life or that I cannot have to deal with this anymore, so I'm just going to worship because that's what I have to do. And it becomes dry, and it doesn't even, there's no life in it because that was below what God had in mind. What worship that brings, that's based on an ador, like adoration is something that's actually a marriage of both. It's, it's when both come together 
and you come out of a spot where you can worship him knowing that he loves you and that there's deep relationship where he is speaking to your soul, but you also understand that I'm going to worship him no matter what because he is worthy. He deserves to be praised um, regardless of our situations. In Psalm uh, 22, verses 1 through 5, um, it reads... Psalms 22, 1 through 5. Oh, there it is. Okay. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you, and you and were saved. They trusted in you, and were never disgraced. So, um... I'm going to share just a few, like, stories from my own life because I, I, that's really the only thing I know how to really preach out of. And so about a year ago, um, I was in a really different place in my life. Um, I felt really distant from God. I was really confused. Um, for those of you who may have known me, like, when I was, like, a little bit younger, um, I have always wanted to get married. And for the longest time, it was a huge cry of my heart, and I couldn't understand why God like, was withholding. I felt like he was really withholding from me, and so I was feeling really, really frustrated, um, because now I'm married. A year ago, I was already married, and nothing was where I thought it would be, like, nothing. I was like, God, I I thought, like, you told me that, you know, once I was married, that there would be, like, some more direction, because that had been a prayer. I was single, and I was like, God, I need direction. He was like, just wait on me, wait on me, and I just really felt in my heart, like, that the next big direction was going to come, when I got married, and that's not because I was waiting for him. It was just that I was waiting on the Lord because that was what he had told me to do. I wasn't waiting for a guy to come tell me what to do because that's not how, that's not how that works. Um, but it was in that moment that the Lord said, I want you to wait on me instead and not wait on the man. So I was waiting on the Lord, and, um, and he came through. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I have an amazing husband, and there's no one else um, that would be perfect for me. And so I know that's really sappy, but... So anyways, can you imagine, there's me, 25 years old, and I'm like, God, I thought I would know more. Like, I thought there'd be all this clarity, and um, I was really mad, and I was really distant, and I was very, like, closed. I was withdrawing, because I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, because you're not, I don't, I don't know what's going on, I'm confused. And we went to this conference, and in one of the sessions, the, the speaker was like, okay, we're just gonna take some time to be quiet and listen, and I was like, no. <laughs> I didn't want to be at this conference to begin with. Um, I, I'm, I have a love-hate relationship with conferences, but I knew, like, there was part of me that was like, I know I'm supposed to go. I know I'm supposed to go. Like, I knew there was a tug on my heart that I knew I was supposed to go, but I was so bitter. I was like, fine, I will go because I have to. It's fine. It's okay. Like, okay, God, like, I'll go. And so in this moment, he's saying, can you be quiet and listen? And I sat in my chair, and Josh was praying. And I just remember looking at him and being like, like, how can you do that? I'm just so, like, I was just so frustrated, you know? And I was sitting there, and I literally in my head was like, God, you are so far. I'm so alone. I feel hurt. Like, where on earth are you? And why don't you ever answer me? Which is so ridiculous because literally a year and a half ago, he'd like sent me my husband. Like literally the prayer of my heart, he'd already answered. And I was like four months later, like, God, you never answer my prayers. You know, like I was, it was so fickle of me. 
And it was in that moment when I, something flipped and the Lord reminded me, um, I actually wrote it down because it like so imprinted on my heart. Um, He reminded me, worship is a response to my goodness and it's something that I'm worthy of even when you don't understand what I'm doing. And I'm not doing what you wanted me to do or thought this would look like. (laughs) Um, And I can tell you, that now I look back on the last year of my life and what the Lord has taught me and what um, he's like given me and the relationship that has come out of going, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm praise you anyway, is beyond anything that I can even begin to under, like explain. Because it wasn't about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you because I, I want to. It was because, God, I'm going to believe your goodness. I'm going to believe that you're in my corner. And it, at some point, I'm going to understand and it doesn't always come, like, the week after. I can tell you that, like, by March, I was still really struggling. But I, now I look in hindsight a year later, and, man, I'm like, holy cow. Like, what have you brought me through? Like, what have you taught me? Um, so we need to live with an unprecedented adoration for who Jesus is. In Psalms 33, uh, 1 through 21, I, uh, I have it up there, but I'm, I put this one on my phone because it's so long. Um, just, I just want you to listen. This is a big chunk of scripture. Um, but I just want to read it and I want just, just listen and let it kind of set on your heart. Um, Psalm 33 verse one, let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the 10 stringed harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. He loves whatever is just and good. The unfailing love of the Lord fills the earth. The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. Let the whole earth fear the Lord, and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations and thwarts all of their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. What joy for the nation whose God is the Lord, whose people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts so he understands everything they do. The best equipped army cannot save a king, nor is great strength enough to save a warrior. Don't count on your war horse to give you victory, for all its strength cannot save you. But the Lord watches over those who fear him or respect him. That's what that, not like, oh, I'm afraid of him, but literally like a respect for him. Those who rely on his unfailing love. He rescues them from death and he keeps them alive in times of famine. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Um, I went back and forth about having that whole chunk there, and I just, I felt like all of it was just so necessary, um, because the next part is not only do we put our whole heart and trust into, um, God's goodness, whether what we see is what we want, but we also have to have unprecedented trust in who he is and his plan for us. Um, I, I've, I think I've told a few of you this, I really love the book of Psalms. It's one of my favorites, um, simply because, um, it's really raw, and it's real, and um, God's not afraid of our emotions. He's not afraid of our fear or our anxiety or whatever 
thing the enemy tries to tell us that we shouldn't be bringing before God, like he wants all of that, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that you're afraid to admit to yourself, God wants that too. And we see in Psalms, someone like David, who is coined a man after God's own heart, he brings everything before the Lord. He's like, God, these guys are chasing me and I want them dead. But God, I praise you. Like, kind of like if you ever sit back and like you get whiplash, like, wait, hold on. You just said like, that's awful. You should never want anyone dead. But then you praise the Lord. Like, and I think that's the beauty of the presence of the Lord is, yeah, that, you know, we don't want that in our soul. But we also, the, the presence of God is the safest place to process that intense of an emotion. And it's the best place to do it is in his presence. Um, so that's just a little bit of a side note. Um, the other thing is, if you think about it, they were hopeful, and it goes back to trust, I promise. They were hopeful and believing for the new covenant in a salvation that had not yet been fulfilled. So they were leaving, living pre-Jesus, which meant they were in the old covenant, which meant that they actually had to atone for their sins. Like something had to die. And I know that's like, we don't like to talk about that. We don't like to talk about like, oh, animals like used to have to die so people's sins were atoned for. But that's literally how people were saved before Jesus came. And so there's people in these stories, especially in the Old Testament, that were of hope and a deep trust in Jesus were written to in a belief that wasn't even real yet. Jesus hadn't come. And so they had such a deep trust that Jesus was going to come through. And most of these people, if not well, all of them, died before Jesus even came. They were believing in, in prophecies and just believing, God, we know you're going you're gonna to do it. But literally no sign on the horizon. And I just think that's really incredible because believing against hope or our understanding of hope against the odds, we have to know in our hearts that God is in our corner, that he is fighting our battles for us and with us. And even though what we see may not always be like what we expected or what we hoped for, we have to hold on to the, to the, the fact, the truth that God is in our corner, that he is literally fighting our battles Every time I have chosen to trust God over my own instincts, my own emotions, he has always come through. It may not have looked like what I wanted. It definitely wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't like I prayed and the next day it happened. But God has always answered. His answer has always been better, (laughs) way better than anything I could have ever imagined or hoped. Um, And it's always been for my best in his glory. Um, But we have to know that and trust that. No matter what you're walking through, you could be walking through something where it's staring you so big in the face and you're like, Macy, I can't even see beyond what's in front of my face. And I'm telling you, if you can just go, I know that God is bigger and I know that he's back and I know he's behind there. He is fighting that battle for me, that that thing will begin to shrink because you cannot focus on what's right in front of you when your eyes are plastered to Jesus. You just can't. And so we have to, there's got to be like a white knuckle trust. It's, it's, it's something that like, God gave me a picture of so many times. And the same time that I was waiting for, um, for Josh, there were so many times I was driving home and I was like, God, I just don't understand why you're not showing up. Like, this is years ago, right? And I just remember, like, sometimes I see pictures, I, you know, like, I'll be praying or worshiping and I'll just see, like, these pictures. Like, and I just remember in that moment, I felt like I was drowning. And I, there was a big storm and there was like this anchor and my hand was white. Like it was white and I was just holding on. I was like, God, you are my anchor. You are my hope. I'm just going to keep holding on and I'm just going to believe that you're going to do this. I don't feel like it. God, I'm broken and I'm hurt and I am so confused. But I'm going to hold on to you with white knuckles and I'm going to believe that you are good. 
And I can tell you, he is. <laughs> he so is, because it's why I'm here today. I wouldn't be here if God hadn't come through for me. I wouldn't be the, the person I am. I wouldn't be walking in the freedom that I do um, if it wasn't for Jesus. And it, I just wouldn't. Um, and I can't get up here and tell you that this is because of anything I've done. <laughs> this is all Jesus. Jesus has freed me. He's been there for me, and he comes through. Um, we look into stories in the Bible. Um, I love the Church of Acts. Just you see this group of people that in the face of death, I mean, their friends were literally getting taken and killed, and they still boldly preached the gospel, and people were added. Like, people were attracted to that. You think of um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, like, literally the whole city bowed, and they were left standing. And they were faced with absolute, I mean, with death. The reality is that they were facing death. And they still stood. Um, to me, I can't look at those stories and go, yeah, they were just really strong, emotional people. Or they had really great mental toughness. I'm like, nope. That's, a, that's an understanding of who Jesus is. That's a complete and total surrender to, like, I know my God is good. But even if he doesn't. I'm still going to claim that he is good, and I'm still going to believe that he has my best. And we see in these stories how God comes through, and he's proven time and time again that, that that's what he wants to do. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap it up. Um, so if like the worship team or piano wants to get ready. Um, I've used the word unprecedented. have unprecedented adoration unprecedented trust. Um, I just want to say you guys are an unprecedented generation. The unprecedented, the word unprecedented, unprecedented, unprecedented. <laughs> you ever say a word too many times and it gets like, it gets like not like a word anymore? <laughs> when you, when you look at the meaning of unprecedented, it means never been done before or known before. And some of the synonyms are unparalleled and unequaled. Um, and I really don't think it's an accident <laughs> that we're living in unprecedented times and that um, people call this generation unprecedented. There are, um, everything is changing. We're living, we're learning to do life a different way. Um, yes, every generation has their own characteristics, but there is something so different about your generation that's coming up that people really don't know what to do. Um, some of it scares them. Some of them, they're like, I don't understand, like, why you do this this way. I don't know how you can handle that or whatever, but there's a reason that you guys have been called the unprecedented generation. See, the calling that lays on your life and on the life of your friends has been spoken time again, and we're hearing it from, we've attended some national youth conferences where this word is spoken, and we've, I mean, it just so rings true, and I see it, and Josh sees it, and our leaders, literally what we're seeing unfold is so true that you guys are an unprecedented generation with an unprecedented anointing to reach this world. You are, and um, I was praying um, at the end of last year, and um, I was driving. That's where I kind of get my Jesus time just because it's the only time I'm really alone. And so um, I, like, read my, I have the Bible read to me. <laughs> um, and I, like, worship. Like, that's my alone time with Jesus. And I was praying, and it was before the sun came up. And um, 
the night before I had been on Facebook and all these people were like, oh no, 2020.2, it's 2022, you know, like all these really pessimistic like memes about, oh my gosh, here we go, round two of 2020 or um, some of the other ones were like, we know whatever, 22, just be whatever you want. Like just so much um, hopelessness and kind of like bitterness and some sarcasm and I was just sort of praying like, God, like, what are you up to? <laughs> you know, like, uh, we, there's so many of us that even those who have faith are like, what is going on? Like, at what point? What, at what point? <laughs> you know? Um, and it was, it was weird. I don't know how to explain it. But just like there was something in my heart that was like, Macy, I, you know, yeah, the world's crazy. But I'm actually more concerned about your heart. <laughs> And I'm more concerned about your heart being placed on me than your heart being placed on what the culture is doing, what the community looks like, what the national news looks like. I want your heart to be so consumed with me that none of that actually matters. And then he begged the question, Macy, what if I'm more concerned about the heart of the people in the church than the heart of what's going on in the community? Because catch this, it's not about changing the heart of the community. It's impossible if the heart of the people in the church don't change first. We have to get right before God. And there's a verse um, in 1 Peter 4. Um, and I'm not like, this is just, yeah. Um, for the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. I just want to tell you that's not condemnation. That's the Lord going, come back to me. Come back to my heart. I want you to be more focused on what my heart is saying right now than what the, what the community is saying, to what your problems are saying. I want you to be so laser focused. And I want my church to be so enamored with who I am and what I'm up to that that's what draws you that you look at the news and go but God but God is bigger that you can look at your circumstances and go but God is so much bigger and I don't have to bow to you anymore because of who my God is there's such a call on your life each one of you to do something miraculous and I know there's a lot of you who would look at me and go how can you say that you don't know me you don't know my situation and I'm going to tell you but God does and he has a bigger plan than that for you and he wants to empower you and he wants to define who you are and he wants to give you dreams and visions that would blow your mind and it can start with a simple yes we can talk about big vision. I had a, um, this is not in my notes, but I, um, my first missions trip, like international, we had, um, I was in a, I was on a 21 day trip to um, Cambodia and Thailand. And I'm not gonna go too much in the backstory, but I was in a, again, another really dark place in my life. And my Nana, Nana Jan was like, hey, I want you to come on this missions trip with me. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. I love to travel. Like, if you know me, I love to just get out of the country. I think it's fun. Um, but I was in a dark place. And so I went on this trip. And the Lord just began to peel back all these layers of just gunk and all of the shame and stuff that I was putting on myself. And um, we did the first, I don't know, eight or nine days in Cambodia. And I was like, oh, I love, oh, my heart's so for missions. Like, it, my, my, my life, my heart just woke up. It was crazy. And we landed in Thailand, and the missionary was like, oh, my gosh. Like, literally, I walk off the plane. This guy has no idea who I am. And he's like, you have Jesus written all over you. And I was like, do you know what I'm? 
do you know who sure whatever like I literally was like okay cool like whatever and literally every day for the rest of that trip he kept coming to me he's like hey the Lord told me this last night the Lord showed me this last night and by the end of the trip I was like what what is going on and the last day he looked at me and he said hide these things in your heart and don't be overwhelmed by the big picture it's about your simple yes today it's saying yes to um, saying a kind word to someone you don't know. It's as simple as calling your grandparents who might be far away. It's as simple as um, texting someone you haven't in a while and just saying, hey, how are you? It's as simple as taking your little, you might look at what we're doing for Speed the Light and be like, uh, yeah, I, there's no way. Like, I have nothing, but God can take your small yes to a 25 cent donation and turn it into something miraculous. Because God doesn't care about how big your yes is. He just wants your yes. He just wants your heart. And so tonight as we as we wrap up, I just want to go into this time of worship. Um, another funny story. I asked um, Jonah last week. It's like, I really want to say, come rest on us. Like, that's just been my heart cry. And he was like, oh, we're already doing it. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. It's like, so we're, we're going to launch with that. And um, I don't know where Jonah's at. You can come out and get ready. Um. But I just want to, I want to leave you with this, that there is an incredible call upon your life and upon your generation. Um, the change that we want to see in our, in our world, in our country, in our communities, and in your own families are going to start with you because of the, the call that's on your life and because who Jesus created you to be. And so tonight, I just want to take some time, like just allow the Holy Spirit to just like literally just rest. Let him just peel back the layers and speak to your soul in a way that no man ever could. Um, and I'm just believing that the Lord's going to speak to each one of you in, in only a way that he can. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and um, we'll get into worship. So, Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for today. I thank you for what you're doing, God. I just thank you for your heart. God, I pray that we would just come into this time completely open to what you have to say, Father God, completely ready to hear what you have. Father God, I pray that to those who are dealing with wounds or, or struggles, Father God, I pray you just begin to speak to those right now. Father God, I pray that just chains and burdens and roadblocks would be moved. Father God, I pray there would just be an open gate into your presence, Father God, that there would be no hindrances. God, that you would just come and rest and you would just come speak to our hearts tonight, Father God. We give this time to you. Have your way, Father. And we love you. We love you so much. And you are worthy to be praised. In your name.